When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. It's episode 106. Roma coming off a victory against Lecce yesterday on Sunday at the Olimpico. Um, a little bit closer than we probably would have expected. That followed uh, a loss on Thursday, a very tough loss in the Europa League at the Olimpico to Batiste very late in the match. 2-1, um, kind of a shocking ending to that one. I, I didn't see the whole match, but did catch the most of the second half. Guys... Before we even get to Paulo Dybala, because that'll be the, the big talking, you know, topic for this episode, what do we make of these last two results? Batiste, I don't know how much you guys got to catch because it was during the workday, and then yesterday against Lecce. Um, I would say that the Batiste result was obviously really disappointing. The Lecce result wasn't as strong as I would have hoped uh, as a response, but, you know, considering the fact that Dybala had to come off very quickly in the second half, I'm not utterly shocked. Uh I would also say that, I don't know, I was talking about with Steve about this before we started recording. Despite the Dybala injury that reportedly has him out, most likely until the World Cup or after that, uh, I'm not too worried about Roma heading into the rest of the year. I think that we'll be able to stay stay at pace, and this actually might give certain players the chance to get on the pitch that I'd like to be seeing on the pitch more often, including uh, Christian Volpato. So I, I'm not saying that the sky is falling just yet, even though he's obviously been crucial to Roma's success to start the season. Yeah, I'm in the same similar boat as you, Steve, with the uh, not having really caught the Batiste match because it was during the middle of the week. But I did 
turn it on just in time to catch um a few minutes before Enrique scored the winner, which was just an absurd header and Spinazzola really, you know, shit the bed on <laughs> covering that one, just completely lost the ball there and um a little bit of a wonder goal there. But it's a tough result, especially conceding in the eighty eighth minute where um and you know playing up playing against them on Thursday coming up. It's a crucial match for Roma's uh, knockout round aspirations. I think anything less than a win, you obviously have no shot at winning the group. Um, and if you struggle, if you fail to get a point, uh, qualification comes into question uh, overall. So with Ludogorets a point ahead of us, and you really don't want to go into those last two match days hoping for another team to drop points because that's just a recipe for a frustrating evening but um going to the Lecce match I think we talked about last week that it was coming off the Inter when it was important just to get the three points um and they they got the three points it wasn't a pretty result and Dybala came off injured and it was one of those situations where after they scored the first one and after the red card you would have expected Roma to score what three put three four pass them um and kind of get their shooting boots. Unfortunately, as we've seen so often, finishing is not the order of the day for this club. Um, but given all the drama that surrounded the result, I think all that matters really is that we got the three points. Yeah, three points is three points. It's, it's a big result, right? Uh, the Atalanta-Udinese, the, the big match on Sunday morning, ended up in a draw with a big Udinese comeback. So that helped Roma actually gained two points of both of those clubs. They still sit sixth in the table, pulled a little further ahead of Juve up to six point gap now, which, you know, that leader in the season could come, come up very big, you know? Um, so certainly some positives to take away in terms of just getting the result, but the manner in which Roma did it now, yesterday I had family over, so I had the match on, didn't get to watch it as closely as I normally would, but, you know, had my eye on it. And when they went up a goal and then they were up a man, I texted my buddy, the same thing you just said, pretty much like, Roma should score three to four goals in this match and, and just cruise now. Like, you know, they, there should be no doubt about it. And there was doubt because, you know, conceding a tying goal up a man, which was very disappointing. And then it was very difficult to find that, that winner, which ended up being uh, the Dybala the penalty kick after Smalling had gotten that initial goal. And things just don't come easily for this Roma team. I mean, Smalling scored in the sixth minute. And they were up a man in the 22nd minute. That should that that seemed like a recipe just to cruise, find another goal, and just, you know, do what they had to do. And in the third and ninth minute, Strofetza scored that goal to tie, and you go into halftime, you're like, come on, like, still expecting to win, but why does everything have to be so hard? And even once they got that Dybala penalty in the 48th, it was still, they couldn't find a way to get a third goal, which was, and kind of killed the game off. Very disappointing in that regard, in my opinion. Um, you know, and the XG kind of spoke to Roma again, dominating a match 3.62 to 0.33 from uh, XG Sedia Twitter account. So a uh, very big gap there, you know, should have scored probably at least three goals, maybe more. If you look at different sources, you get different numbers. Um, FB reference had it at 2.7 to 0.4. So either way you look at it, Roma should have scored at least one more goal on average. And, you know, up a man, you expect better from a team with Roma's attacking talent on the pitch wasn't to be and and Mourinho was asked about that after the match I'll I'll read his quote and you guys can kind of comment on his assessment too and see if you saw it the same way 
And, um, you know, he was asked, he started well, he took the initiative in the lead. You could have even scored the second goal, but then after they went down to 10 men, they closed the spaces, even at two, one, it wasn't always comfortable. And Mourinho said, I don't remember many games in my career where it was 11 against 10, where I wanted the game to be wrapped up as soon as possible. There was tiredness tonight, definitely physically, perhaps mentally a bit as well. It's tough playing Thursday and then Sunday watching Udinese against Atalanta today. You could see the difference when you don't play in midweek, there was a different intensity to that game. But that's not a justification because, as you say, we started the game well with ambition and intensity, putting pressure on them and winning the ball back well. You were suggesting it was more difficult against 10 because they shut up shop, but I think it was tougher because we managed the game poorly. My feeling was that when we are tired, we seem to make things more complicated for ourselves rather than play simple. I don't see any fear in my players, but the way they made things tougher for themselves with an extra player, you need to move the ball more and find the spaces. We launched diagonal balls against an organized low defensive side. Why are we giving the ball away like that? And when did we get, and when we did get the ball into the forwards, only Belotti was solid on the ball. The others all took a touch here or there and then lost the ball. I didn't like the way we managed possession. I expected Lecce to wait for the first, for the last five minutes or so to start throwing caution to the wind with the result in the balance. It's true that we had chances to make it 3-1, but on another night, they could have also grabbed an equalizer from a corner or a lucky ball into the box. A draw would have been a disaster. So lucky that didn't happen. Against Atalanta, we played really well and lost. Today, we did not play well and we won. The league table is based on points, but obviously I would have liked it if we had played well tonight as well. But as I said at the start, tiredness played a part. But despite the tiredness, we could have managed things better. So what do you guys make of that um, assessment from Mourinho? Because he wasn't happy with the way his team played. And, you know, he expects better from his players. I mean, I would personally say that I agree with the assessment that tiredness was a factor, but it can't be a factor. Um given i mean i've said this many times on the pod already this season but i don't think anybody anticipated the neg or no one seriously considered the negative after effects of just how congested the match schedule is this season compared to other seasons uh in the past i think that it's caused a lot of problems maybe not directly for some of roma's injury problems but for a lot of clubs, injury, injuries have been directly related to this match fixture congestion. And at the very least, it creates a lot more tiredness. And it directly negatively impacts clubs that are in multiple competitions. The good news for Roma is that when the World Cup break comes, it will in some ways positively impact them. Because despite being a European level side, they're a European level side with a huge number of players not going to the World Cup this season because of, you know, Italy underperforming and other factors. So I agree with the general assessment that that was a very tired side that we saw on Sunday. Uh, I would also agree that that's just simply, you know, that's tough luck, especially as we continue in the season. And it's not like the schedule is going to get any better. So this team needs to find more ways to score, more ways to be creative despite being tired. Uh, than they currently have so far. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, and I would just add that, sure, in the aggregate with the congest congested schedule, due to the World Cup, uh, you're going to have wear and tear and fatigue unlike any other season previously. But at the same time, uh, Roma played on Thursday and then had this match on Sunday. Then that's a normal schedule turnaround for a team in multiple competitions playing in Europe, uh, we see that all the time where teams are either playing um, either Sunday or Monday following that Thursday match. So I I also agree with the assessment, but again, I agree that it we didn't necessarily need it. Um, and I think 
especially on this pod, we've been pretty, pretty easy on Mourinho throughout his tenure. I don't think he's done a lot to warrant a ton of criticism. I think you can hear the arguments for um, issues that you have with the formation or the rotation and what have you. And, uh, you know, when, when you, when you are talking about rotation and fatigue, um, even in some of the matches that we would expect some of that turnaround this and seeing some of the lesser used players get on the pitch, Mourinho has shown that he's not really a fan of doing that. Um, unless the situation demands it. Um, and so I, I think it's not really fair to, to cite fatigue as a reason why your team isn't playing well, uh, when you could do when you could rotate more and um as the injuries keep piling up we lost to bala as we've already mentioned again um so instances like this afford you the opportunity to rotate the squad a little bit more um and hopefully after a performance like that it kind of opens Mourinho's eyes a little bit where he's like hey maybe i do gotta start trusting some of these guys a little bit more um namely Kamara, Bove, because when Dybala is coming off and Matis is going on, you're, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I'm like, why? Why not a Kamara or a Bove? And I know at that point, the priority is to protect the lead. And with Matis's skill set and leadership and experience, you you trust him to see out the job. But at the same time, it's 11 v 10. You can, you know, you can afford to, to take a little risk and throw on a Bove instead of a Matic and see what happens. Um, so, yeah, I, I really hope going forward that Mourinho thinks a little bit more about rotating some of these guys. Yeah, I mean, we saw Vini get, kind of get the surprise start. I had him pegged as being someone to come off the bench in the probables, possibly, and getting into the rotation in the next couple of weeks with uh, the injuries at right back. Um, Pellegrini's starting was a surprise, which – probably is the reason we didn't see Kamara at the start because he decided to go with Dybala in the attack mids on Yolo and Belotti with Pellegrini in the, the midfield. It's good to see Pellegrini back. I thought he had a pretty decent match uh, first game back after Mitch- missing the Batiste match. So that was encouraging. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know what it's going to take to get Kamara in the starting 11 at some point. I don't know if it's going to happen Thursday. I, I could certainly see it happening then. We could talk a little more about Batiste at the end as we wrap, but I mean, if Zaniolo suspended Dybala's hurt, I think Pellegrini has to move up into the attacking midfield. Are you going to start Matic and Cristante again, which has been – it hasn't been that effective because they're they're both slower players, kind of redundant. Um, you know, they're leaving some gaps in front, you know, more on Cristante than Matic probably because Matic is a, a true DM. But, you know, you need a spark against Batiste. Give Kamara a shot, I guess, right? I mean, I don't know where they're going to go because – the Dybala injury, 48th minute, you guys mentioned it. I mean, that's a big loss. Um, when Mourinho was asked about it post-match, he said it didn't look good. You know, basically he was asked if we would see him again in 2023. And this was before we got the injury report today. He said, I'm not a doctor. I've not talked with a doctor. But from experience and from what I've understood from speaking with Paulo, it's difficult to see him again this calendar year, basically. Um, the medical, I think, I pushed back to tomorrow on Tuesday. But Basically, the reports are saying he's out four to eight weeks. So four to eight weeks right now, even if it's four weeks, he's pretty much missing everything up into the World Cup. From Roma's perspective, if he's going to miss those four weeks, you probably don't want him going to the World Cup anyway with Argentina as much as it sucks for him. So, I mean, this is a guy who scored in five straight matches in all competitions for Roma. He's been pretty much the only source of goals so far when you think about it. 
I mean, how does what does it mean for Roma to lose Dybala for basically nine matches? I'll read out the nine matches that they have coming up. They have Batiste Thursday, then it's Samp away, uh, Napoli at home, Helsinki away, Verona away, Ludogretz at home, the Derby on November 6th, Sassuolo away, and Torino at home. Those are the nine matches that they have before the World Cup. So, you know, how does Roma, how does this affect Roma over this month or so? So my hot take on this is that at some point, either through drop in form or injury, we all knew that Dybala was going to be either not at his best or unavailable at a certain point this season. I don't think anyone thought that Dybala was going to turn into an Iron Man moving to Rome. And he's always had some issues with injuries over the course of his career. That that These are the pluses and minuses of having a guy like him on your squad. And when you have him on your squad and he's healthy, he's probably one of the best players. He's definitively one of the best players in Serie A. He gets injured. Like, that's that's the price that you pay. That's the swap that you make. And I think a club like Roma, a club, pretty much any club in Serie A would make that tr- trade to be able to say, like, yeah, we'll have a player with his ability, his talent, and his goal-scoring prowess Sometimes he'll get injured. That's how it goes. Um, and honestly, I think that out of anywhere for Roma to have injuries right now, knock on wood, uh, it's the easiest for Roma to respond in the attack. Uh, Roma was the most successful in developing its attacking depth over the course of this summer, both with the signing of Belotti, the retention of Nicolo Zaniolo, um, players like that. Obviously, that's not as relevant for the Batiste match because Zaniolo is suspended. But all in all, Roma did do a lot of good work in terms of developing attacking depth. And that's not even including players like Christian Volpato, who everyone from the top of the club down is seems to be convinced is a huge part of Roma's future. So I would say that as much as it's really disheartening to lose Dybala, I'm not pulling the fire alarm just yet. I think that this is a good opportunity for certain players who haven't been seeing the pitch as consistently to show why they're considered rotation options in the first place, why they should be given more minutes. It's why Belotti will hopefully get more starts now. It's why Zaniolo will hopefully be able to get more goals in. It's why maybe we'll get to see some of Christian Volpato. So as much as it's not great, I don't think the sky is falling just yet. So I think it can go to one of two ways. I think it can either galvanize the squad um, and kind of helps the helps them wean off their Dybala dependency a little bit, just from for the perspective of him scoring the major a good chunk of the goals this season. Um, or, you know, they can will in the face of that adversity not having their their pillar in the in in the attack on the field with them and. Um, kind of struggle until he comes back and I think which whichever outcome um it ends up being I think it's predicated on the the Batiste match so if Roma can pull out a gritty win on Thursday get the three points get themselves right back in the conversation for um topping the group I think we'll see the former where they you know next man up mentality and uh use use that to carry them through up up until the world cup um but i think if they they lose especially if it's a convincing loss i could see it being tough sledding until we get that break but as you mentioned it's an opportunity for other players to step up so we'll see who has the goods yeah you know 
I agree with you, Jim, that we have the attacking depth on the roster. It's there, right? Uh, Zaniolo, Abraham, we brought in Belotti. You know, Volpato's an exciting prospect. Shamordov is still there. There's bodies there. But my issue right now is the fact that nobody's performing besides Dybala. I'm looking at the goals in all comps for Roma right now. Dybala, seven goals. Do you know their second leading goal scorer is on the team? Is it Abraham with two? Smalling with three. Chris Smalling with three. And then it's Abraham with two, and then there's a handful of guys with one goal. Uh, Ibanez, Cristante, Pellegrini, Belotti, and Shamordov have one goal apiece in all competition. So that, that to me, is the issue. It's not that we don't have the bodies. It's that the bodies aren't performing, right? The, the players aren't performing. He scored seven goals, where the rest of the team has scored five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten goals. Combined. I mean, that was always going to be a problem. Yeah. That was a problem we were facing with or without Dybalo. And, like, as I said before, like, Dybala's form was going to cool off. Like, he's a great player. He's not necessarily always going to be, like, banging in a goal every single match either. So, like, at some point, somebody else was going to have to step up. And as much as I wish it didn't happen because Dybala got injured, somebody had to start scoring goals other than him and Chris Smalling, right? So, like, this had to happen at some point. Yeah, I mean, you can't rely on him to score a goal every game, but just in terms of what he provides, I mean, he's basically a goal every other game performer in his career, 0.46 goals per 90. So, and and it's just the moments of magic that we've seen him pull out. I mean, I think personally, if he plays against Atalanta, we at least get a draw in that match. They, they were missing that that extra little bit that he provides. And I'm not saying this guy's falling. I, I'm I'm generally an optimist, but this is certainly a damaging, you know, injury for, for Roma considering – all that XG they're creating and not scoring. Hopefully they keep creating the XG without now their most creative player. I mean, you know, Pellegrini has been playing a lot of nice balls lately. He's provided a couple assists in these last two matches. He's now got six assists in the season, which is impressive. His finishing, you know, is down from last year. Abraham is really the guy that needs to step up for me of all people. I mean, him and Belotti are the, the strikers. I think Zaniolo needs to start chipping in some goals, but I mean, to you guys, who needs to step up the most if Roma's going to, weather the storm of these nine matches, especially Napoli and Lazio, maybe get some points out of those matches and get out of this Europa League group. I mean, in terms of having a like-for-like like comparison to what Dybala can provide at his best, I think this is the answer is Zaniolo. Um, I, I don't think that they're the exact same player. They play the game very differently. They have different physiques, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of both being able to provide link-up play and also scoring for themselves. What we want from Zaniolo is very similar to what we want from Dybala. Uh, I think that something, as much as I want Tammy to get back to scoring goals quickly, I also think that a huge part of that, the reason why he hasn't been scoring goals is not because he's not putting himself in good chance, in situations with good chances. He's just missing. And I think we saw that in the game against Lecce, that there were several moments that it could have been 3-1, as Mourinho said, but, you know, Abraham just missed. And that will solve itself, in my opinion. That we we complained about Jiko sometimes having cold patches. All strikers, even strikers of world-class talent, have cold patches. He'll start hitting goals again soon. I'm not too worried about that. For Zaniolo, I think that it's just more of a like-for-like comparison of what needs to be brought to the pitch every week, match, Dybala can't do it right now for obvious reasons. So Zaniolo really has to step up. Yeah. So before you go, Brandon, I'm just going to throw out there, since we're talking about individuals, um, there was a, a tweet today. So most clinical finishers in terms of better than XG, Holland way overperforming Ooh. at plus six, of course, <laughs> you know, a couple other players up there at plus 4.9 um, Becker Madison at plus 3.8 and, a, you know, 
then you go to the least clinical in terms of performing against the XG. And the first two players on that list were Roma players. And it was Pellegrini at negative 2.9 and Abraham at negative 2.8. So when you Don't see those, the monster, the, you, you see that you see the issue here is that our players are getting those chances. And I'm a little less critical of Pellegrini just because he's providing the assists for a lot of Roma's goals. But you know, that right there is six goals that Roma has eaten between those two players, basically, according to the XG. Well, 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 what do we have here? So what I'm hearing is that Roma (laughs) would be top of the table, runaway leaders would up for the Scudetto if Pellegrini was just a little bit more clinical. Um, But no, to to go back to the Dybala replacement question, I think I'll take it a little bit differently from where Jimmy took it, in that I think the responsibility for um, replacing what Dybala provides is largely going to fall on Pellegrini. Um, I think for me, I don't, I'm not going to be looking for him to, to replicate the goal scoring output, even though we saw him last season do that. Um, but in terms of the link up play and creating chances for Saniolo and Tammy, I think, um, he's the one that I'll look to, to step up and fill that void. Um, and I think ultimately in terms of the goal scoring production that it, it should fall on Tammy to, to step up, I think after last season fairly or unfairly the bar was raised sky high for what we think he can produce um he hasn't reached that level yet and i have no doubt as jimmy mentioned that the goals are going to come at some point but i think he's shown especially recently that he's a little bit in his head i think it's not as confident uh as we saw last season maybe not running around with um you know, as much purpose as he did last season as well. Um, but I think if he's able to to kind of get out of his head and start replicating the form that we saw last season, I think Roma will be more than fine, especially with all the bodies that you mentioned that can fill in um, for Dybala as he's out. So I think we, we're in good shape, but at the same time, it, it falls on these players to step up. I think it's a good shout to name Zaniello is the one that can carry the team while Dybala's out. But I think um, in terms of what he provides and what Dybala provides when he's healthy, I think Pellegrini is probably the one that I would look to most to, to replicate that. Yeah. So I, I agree. I think Abraham is the one that has to step in front of goal the most. I think Belotti will get his goals, but Abraham's the guy who prior to the season, I was saying would be in the mix for, you know, the Capocaniere, the way he played last season, you expect him to kind of take that next step. And he's kind of taking a step back. Mourinho was asked about the the goal scoring issues that, you know, the, the ruthlessness in front of goal. And he said, you know, he, he was asked if it's uh, cutting edge, can you work on it? Or is it all in the mind? And he said, it's a bit of both. You can work on it in training. And we do that a lot, both individually and as a group. But I think at the moment, it's more of a mental thing. Even in training, when one forward makes a mistake, they are very critical of themselves and they start thinking negatively. That worries me a bit. Clearly, we need to score in order to win games, but their goals will arrive for uh, Tammy and Belotti. They will end up scoring more than Zaniola, even if he needs to score a few too. What worries me beyond this is uh, the tiredness, um, or rather beyond the tiredness, which is real. It's not an excuse. It's the poor management of the game. He spoke about it again. Two touches, one touch, changing the rhythm, waiting for the opposition to come out of their shape. We study the opponent a lot and we know how they want to press and where we can find spaces. Um, a few times watching the game, I started to think that my Italian must have become really bad because the players really must not understand me because they do exactly the opposite of what I tell them. 
but perhaps it is also a consequence of tiredness. So uh, I just want to throw out one more stat before we respond to that. But he, Mourinho, really uh, hammering his players a little bit there. Um, you know, constructive criticism, I'd say, not really like going after individuals. But um, there was a stat I saw the understat today in league matches only. Roma has created the highest XG at 22.17 still, but has only scored 12 goals. And their defense has um, given up the last uh, or their worst in terms of XG allowed at 5.88 and given up nine goals. So the defense has had its issues too. They're not allowing a lot of good chances, but when they do allow a chance, it seems to find the opponent in a a dangerous spot. The opponents are making Roma pay a little bit, um, both, I feel like in Serie A and in the league, but that also comes down to what Mourinho is talking about there. I think he's talking about, you know, my Italian's gotten bad. I coached Inter 10 years ago or whatever. Maybe I can't speak Italian well anymore because tell my players to move the ball a certain way. I'm telling them to press a certain way on defense and they're doing the opposite. So what do you make of that? That, That's an interesting, uh, you know, tidbit that Mourinho came out with. I'm personally not too worried about it. I think that we all know that Mourinho operates a certain way with the press in the sense that like he both you he sometimes uses it as a way to talk to his as to his players other times uses it as i god only knows what um he's got his own special way of interacting with the press and they don't always love him for it point being i'm not too worried about it yet i think that he was probably frustrated after a match that he said himself that he didn't want to be watching and I do think that there are things that Roma needs to fix that are long-term issues, but Mourinho knew that when he came here, and part of that is definitely how they respond against a team that really parks the bus. And playing down to another team's level is definitely something that Roma has always done, and it takes a lot of work to get to the point where they're no longer doing that. Yeah, I'm not worried about his comments either. I think he's... uh... He obviously still has a locker room and couldn't be closer to the squad in terms of uh, being able to get a read on them. So I think he knows when to pick his spots and I'm not worried, um, you know, the manner in which he told him to get their shit together. Um, And I think, I don't know. I'm struggling with this a little bit because I think um, I don't know, but Mourinho just has this way of talking to the team that um, you know, as Jimmy mentioned, sometimes he he does it through the press. Um, but I don't know after this match if this was the right moment for this um, specifically. I, the the content itself, I have no issue with, with but the the venue is what I take a little bit more issue with just because um, yeah, you should have probably hammered Lecce five, five, one. Um, yeah. It's been a frustrating last few weeks with the finishing. Yeah. Dybala just exited the game with an injury and you're frustrated about that. But at the same time, you know, these players know what's going on. He alluded to, to he alluded to it himself when he mentioned um, how they're, hypercritical even in training so i think to to kind of put them hang them out to dry in front of the media after the game is little um wasn't the move that i would have gone with but like i mentioned at the beginning 
he knows his players far better than any of us could ever hope to and um, knows when to pick his spots. And more importantly, the players themselves are aware of this. And we've seen uh, multiple players come out and say, yeah, we know uh, what Mourinho, you know, we know what Mourinho is getting at when he, when he kind of rips into us a little bit, Um, we'd still run through a wall from him for him. So I think they'll they'll take his comments in stride, but at the, at the same time, I probably would have kept that one in house. Yeah, I think they'll take him in stride. I don't think he's losing the dress room at all. I think it's maybe just a little frustration coming out, trying to wake his players up a bit, and hopefully, you know, whatever the directions are against Betis, they execute them better uh, from a defensive perspective, from moving the ball perspective, and seeing how that match plays out. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll be right back to talk a little bit about the other injuries that he's facing. Uh, an old friend getting a, a new job, and we're going to look ahead to Batiste quickly. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back from our, our short break. So, guys, we talked a lot about Dybala. That's not the only injury Rome is dealing with because Zeki Selleck got, <laughs> got studs to the ankle for Mancini that last match against Betis. It was not a, a good-looking injury. Luckily, he avoided any you know, ligament tears. We've seen plenty of those in the Romaverse in the past, but he will probably be out until just about the World Cup break. Um, you know, that followed Rick Karsdorp getting injured with that meniscus injury. Good news is Karsdorp, I read, did return to full training today, which after just about a month is pretty surprising. I thought he'd be another couple of weeks. But, you know, we went from having two right backs, reliable right backs for the first time and can't remember how long. And, you know, this match, Zalewski had to play the right wing back wouldn't be surprised if it's at least for another couple matches. I can't imagine Karsdorp jumps right back into a starting role after being out for a month. But, you know, those injuries certainly have have an impact on the way the team has to play. And then Mourinho finished his comments with a little bit about Wynn Haldem and, and how they're missing him. He said, we need to push through this difficult period. When Mkhitaryan and Vera 2 left at the start of the season, we signed Wynn Haldem to be the man to play in the middle to give the team a different rhythm and a variety of options in the middle of the park. When we lost him, we started to have more issues there. So, I mean, very transparent in, in the value they saw in Winhalden when they signed him. How much of Roma's struggles on both ends of the pitch, especially that kind of dictating the tempo up a man, do you attribute to losing Winhalden? I mean, it was quite obvious to me that outside of Dybala, Winhalden was the statement signing of the summer for Roma. So it's not entirely surprising to me that when you lose the guy that you really anticipated being a fulcrum of your starting 11, that things are going to be a little dicey until he's back. Uh, that's another reason why I've kind of been a little under, more understanding of both Mourinho for sticking with the Cristante Matic double pivot and not like expecting the world out of it and not judging either player involved in that double pivot too, too much, just because I recognize that that's like definitively plan B. And it's not only plan B for, you know, Matic and Cristante, I think that having Matic and Cristante behind Pellegrini is also a plan B for getting the most out of Pellegrini. So by losing a player who's so central to the overall system that Mourinho was trying to build, it's a lot harder for them to find success. Now, I will say that, you know, 
losing when when Haldum and still only being four points out of first so far, that's pretty good to me. Um, like I granted nobody expected the table to look the way that it's looking right now. I don't think I don't think anyone expected an Udinese um like in second place, Napoli at the top. But given that, I'm pretty impressed with how Roma's done despite not having Wijnaldum, despite not having Zaniolo for a stretch of time, despite not having a lot of players for stretches of time so far. Uh, and we're not, we're getting actually pretty close to what we would call the halfway point of the season, right? Because uh, when does the World Cup break happen at exactly the halfway point? Or what? what is the timing on that? Because... I think it's about 15 matches, and I think we have six okay. more league matches. So we'll be a little under halfway. Okay. But, like, six six matches out before the winter break, we're looking pretty good on the table. Um, We're not looking perfect as a club, and there's certainly a lot more improvements that can be done in the Europa League. But if you had told me that we'd be four, four points out of first in mid-October without Wijnaldum, I would have taken it. And without Tammy Abraham scoring much and without Zaniolo scoring much, yeah, that's that's a pretty solid position to be in if you're not firing on all cylinders. And honestly, compared to a lot of other seasons where, for example, not to name names, but like Luciano Spalletti is known for having clubs that get to the top of the table really, really quickly when the season starts and then everything starts to fall apart about two thirds of the way to three quarters of the way through the season. I'd much rather be in our position where we're four points off the top with things certainly not going at full steam ahead it implies that there's another gear to be found. So I'm not, especially if when Aldum comes back and is even like, you know, three quarters of what he's able to normally do, especially if Dybala is able to come back sooner rather than later. I'm fairly optimistic. See, I'm glad I have you guys to talk about this stuff with, because me being as pessimistic as I am with all these mounting injuries it's like, ugh, we are toast. But <laughs> but listening to Jimmy, um, you know, it's it's not all so bad, I suppose. And I'm I'm actually surprised that I'm not surprised that Mourinho placed so much importance on Winaldum uh for this season, but I am surprised that he admitted this much. And I'm surprised that he had, he would admit that knowing the criticism that's been levied against him for continuing continually going with the Montich Cristante pairing, I um, we're all in agreement that this is a this is a Plan C. Um, but at the same time, it's not like Mourinho shown any any inclination to try a different pairing. So it's kind of <laughs> we're just rolling with it until one of them gets back. So I am surprised that he admitted as much, but. Um, you know, we we all know the type of player that Wijnaldum is, especially going back to his time with Liverpool and how he was the machine, how he used the engine for them. So it'll be nice to experience what that is like when he comes back. I think, I think I would feel much better about being four points off um, at this point in the season if Tabala hadn't just gotten injured. And I think it'll be, I do think it'll be tough sledding. Um, until the World Cup break, but at the same time, I'm very, very excited to see what this team can do once everybody's fit. You got Wijnaldum firing on all cylinders, you got Tabala firing on all cylinders, and um, you have your two marquee signings carrying the team. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the, the the point to be made being only four points out is important. Now, losing Dybala, it gets a little harder to, to kind of maintain that distance, but 
the World Cup break comes at an interesting time because, yeah, you usually have that winter break for maybe like a week or two around Christmas time, New Year's, and then things kick back off. But having such a long break could be a blessing in disguise for Roma uh, because of the players that aren't going to the World Cup. Like Jimmy said, all they're the whole Italian contingent, which is about six of them, I think, on uh, Roma right now. They get good playing time. Tammy, how many minutes he actually gets for England? I don't know. He won't be with Roma, but he won't be playing much probably with Harry Kane up top. And then, you, you know, you, you're going to have – the recovering players around. So maybe it's a chance for Mourinho to kind of put things together on that trip to Japan. And, you know, Napoli's hotter than Vesuvius right now. And, you know, things could cool off when they don't get to, to play. And, you know, you got guys going to the world cup, you got guys, you know, maybe losing form and it could play to Roma's advantage. And four points is, is not a big gap to the top. And even more importantly to the, to the top four is I think a point right now. Um, Lazio and Udinese go head to head this weekend. While Roma goes to last place, Samp on Monday. I mean, that's that's a must win in my opinion. With Napoli looming the following week, even after a, a Thursday match against Betis, however that turns out. So you know, still plenty of of good things to look for. But um, very interesting. Like Brandon said, that Mourinho would actually say how much they miss Win Haldem right now, and I don't know if that's just because of all the criticism flying the team's way, or he's just being very frank and saying. You know, when Haldem will make us better in these type of matches where we have to dictate play, we have to kind of move the ball a certain way to open up a team that's kind of packing it in because they're down a man. And we'll see how that affects them. You know, Karsdorp returning a little sooner than expected will be a boost if he comes back in the next couple of weeks, especially with the Derby looming in early November, you know, not in a couple of weeks if he's ready for that. So the, the chances will be there, but... You know, when Haldem getting the cast off, starting to get some individual training and hopefully be back and maybe January things turn for Roma a bit with these injuries, that that's what they have to kind of hope for. Um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, before we look to Betis, guys, real quick, our old friend Daniela De Rossi, my favorite Roma player ever to this point, uh, has his first managerial appointment. Spal, kudos to them. One of the best appointment met, like announcements I've ever seen on Twitter. They took De Rossi's slide tackle tattoo and turned it into a uh, manager tattoo basically on their Twitter page. So I'm, I'm happy for De Rossi. I think this is a good opportunity in Serie B to kind of cut his teeth. He'll have patience probably to kind of get things going for a small team that obviously hiring a manager 10 weeks into the season is struggling a little bit and sets him up maybe for eventually after Mourinho's here and he wins a couple Scudettos maybe in the next five years or so, then maybe De Rossi can take over. I don't know. Yeah, and uh, you know, while while we're at it, let's let's have him coax uh, Francesco out of retirement, lace up the boots at what is he now, forty three, forty five, something like that. Um, yeah, let's get him in there too. Let's get the whole gang back together. <laughs> they can have um, Sabatini as sporting director too. <laughs> mm, that'll be good. Yeah, no, I'm excited for him. I mean, obviously, this was his plan in a way that it never really was Totti's plan. You always got the sense from De Rossi that this was his future as a player. Um, as an older player, it seemed clear to me that he wanted to be a coach one day. And he's shown himself with the Italian national team to apparently have what it takes. He's gotten his registration. Uh, I hope he's able to make a good run at it. And I'm glad that it's not his first job to be at Roma because Rome eats managers alive, regardless of whether they're legends or not. So for him, as much as I would love for him to become Roma's manager one day, I wanted to prove himself not only at a Serie Bay side, but like at smaller Serie A sides too, before he gets back here. To me, that's yeah. important. 
Yeah, I didn't want him just kind of thrown in like we've seen at Milan when they were going through their rough patches. They threw Inzaghi into the mix and they threw uh, Gattuso and Seydorf and it didn't really work out for any of them. And, you know, we've seen it, you know, uh, Simone Inzaghi at Lazio went through the Primavera side first and he kind of cut his teeth there. So hopefully going through Serie B, maybe coming to Roma's Primavera when his dad retires and then getting to the top of that, you know, Roma hierarchy. If, uh, you know, he does a good job managing, then we can see him at, on Roma's bench and be truly ready for it, I hope. So yeah. that's in the distant future, hopefully, because hopefully things work out with Mourinho for the the medium to long term, as, as we're hoping uh, with the contract extension talks that are out there. So the immediate future is Batiste on Thursday away. It's not going to be easy as we saw at the Olympico the other day. We lost Dybala like we talked about. I'm just going to read out some stats heading into this match. Uh, Batiste are undefeated hosting Italian teams in European competition. Two, two, uh, two wins, one draw. Uh, last time I was against Milan uh, back in November of 18. Roma have lost each of their last three away games to Spanish sides. Now the sides they lost to were Atletico, Barcelona, and Real Madrid. So a little different um, caliber of opponent. Batiste are unbeaten across their 10 home matches in Euro- Europa League group stages, six six wins, four draws. Um, Roma haven't lost consecutive away games in this competition or have lost consecutive away games. They've never lost. They haven't lost three in a row since 93 in a Europa League or UEFA Cup. And Roma have scored at least once in each of the last 22 away games in Europe, a run which started in November of 2018. Previous record before that was seven in a row. So just some interesting stats thrown out there. Just some food for thought. Of course, they don't really mean anything when it comes to it on Thursday. But, you know, if Roma can keep the goal-scoring streak alive, you feel a little bit better about them maybe pulling the result out. But what do you think they have to do to kind of turn the tide against a tough Batiste side that got the three points at the Olympico and it looked like Roma was guaranteed at least a point very late in the match? I mean, the simplest part of it is that Tammy Abraham and the attacking core actually have to score. Like, I, that that's a novel concept, of course. But, like, they, they need to score and they need to score early. As we've seen with this club time and time again, if this club scores early, they can run up a win. If this score doesn't, if this club doesn't score early and the other side does, it's a long night. And it, that's honestly as simple as it gets. I think that Roma has the talent to beat Batiste handily. Uh, they have talent. To, they have the talent to, that they should be leading this group stage. Let's be honest. And it's as simple as that. Uh, they need to score and they need to not play down to the level of their opponent. Yeah, I don't think there's any other answer, but uh, an early goal, we we know that the defense can can hold on to a lead. We've seen that before. Um, so I'm, if Roma get that early goal, I would feel markedly better about our chances to win the match. Um, but it comes down to find, finding our shooting boots. I think, I think the type of early goal that I have in mind usually comes off a set piece very early in the match. Um, which has kind of been Roman's bread and butter. So I think they have that going for them. And I think with the way Pellegrini's been delivering balls and into the box and the way Smalling has been on their, you know, been in the right place at the right time, I think there's a good chance that they have a great opportunity in that first 10, 15 minutes of the match, maybe even sooner. On the flip side of it, if they concede in that same opening period, they have no shot to win this game, I don't think, uh, given how much they've struggled in front of goal given that they're in a little bit of a injury crisis at the moment. And I think adding insult to injury by conceding early in the match is um, a recipe for a long night. But having said that, I think the intent is going to be to take the game to Batiste. Um, 
and hopefully that produces an early goal. Yeah, I th- I think an early goal would do this team wonders, especially without Dybala. Maybe Tammy can get an early goal. Maybe it's Bill Lotti. Maybe it's someone that just hasn't been performing well. I think Zaniolo, of course, is a big loss too because then you lose two of your uh, main attacking players. So I think probably you're looking at the the double strikers with Pellegrini behind them. I see Brandon nodding. I don't see any other way to approach this. Um, I, the defense is set, goalkeeper set. Obviously, it's got to be Spina and Zalewski at the wing backs at this point. I think the only real question mark is does Kamara get a look in the midfield or does he go Matic Cristante again? But this is a I don't want to say it's a must win because it's it's a very difficult match to win, but I think it's a must result at least, right? You have to at least get a draw so that you're up to seven points or four points rather than seven. Geez, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Four points. You kind of have to hope maybe Helsinki can get a draw against Ludogretz just to kind of make that you know, stay close. And then you got to do your business. Those last two matches head to head with Ludogratz and, and Helsinki, because if not, I don't want to finish third. I, I enjoyed winning the conference league last year, but in a schedule that's so compact this season, um, I'd love to advance in the Europa league, but I don't know if I want to go through the conference league knockout rounds again and have that extra round thrown in because you're the team that's dropping down from Europa league. I, I don't know how you guys feel, but it, yeah, it would I agree with that. Be, I think, detrimental to the top four race. Europa League, I'm all for because if you win the Europa League, you get Champions League, right? Or at least it's a more prestigious competition at this point. But man, I can't imagine a, a crowded uh, February, March with a lot of Conference League again. I'll lose my damn mind if they're <laughs> playing in the Conference League. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't get excited about Conference League last year until they were probably in like the quarterfinals, right? The semis. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> It was certainly win, you know, winning a trophy was certainly nice, but man, uh, I don't know if I could do some of those uh, road trips again and and see the players have to go through that again when it's it's been very yeah. taxing already this season. Yeah, you know? we we don't need to go back to back on the. Conference. I mean the the pitches are bad enough in Europa League play. It's not like we need to go back down to ECL and play at Bodo or whatever again. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. I see. Uh, as you search Roma and Google Lorenzo Pellegrini on trans, uh, Chelsea transfer radar, they could they can f off because he's not going anywhere. But <laughs> other than that, guys, um, I guess we have to see what happens on Thursday and then Monday uh, lunchtime kickoff here in the East Coast of the United States at Sampdoria. That to me is a must win. So, guys, anything you want to leave the listeners with? Can't say that I do. I will be holding my breath until. Monday evening and hopefully on the other side of that are two Roma wins. Yes. Yeah, same I, here. Two Roma wins are practically necessary and I will be much less optimistic about Roma's season if we don't get them by the time the next podcast rolls around. Yeah. So two lunchtime kickers off. So it was like Batista's 1245 Eastern as well. So I have a 1240 lunch period as, uh, as a teacher here. So I'll get to watch a little bit of the first half. And probably miss the the good stuff in the second half. So we'll do our best to to get you guys coverage. We're all working at those times, but you know, keep up with the site. We'll get the coverage out there, and we'll be back next week to hopefully discuss two Roma wins. So thanks again for listening, and uh, let us know your thoughts on the boards and on Twitter.